Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to Bible Quest, the Tuesday edition, where we talk with you about the Bible and its relevance for today, every Tuesday at 2. My name is Justin Dobbs, and let me invite you to interact with us live. You can use the live chat on YouTube. We'll be watching that throughout today's program. But if you have other questions or comments after our discussion today, we'd be happy to hear from you. You can go to BibleQuest.tv and submit any questions or comments or uh, requests for future studies. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, today we have with us Scott Smelser. Uh, Scott, how you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm behind schedule because I couldn't get in and my computer still thinks I'm my wife. Sorry about that. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. Um, so I guess you're, you're showing up as Bertina here. It happens yeah. to the best of us. Um, but looking forward to our discussion today. What do we have going on for today's study? Uh, so we're going to be talking about a verse that says that David was a man after God's own heart. And you see some great, great things in David. But wow, you see some really horrible uh, stuff in David. And so what's going on there? And one thing I found interesting is comparing David in the situation that he is in with some other men in that same situation. And that is being king. Yeah. David's worst behavior was not while he was a shepherd boy. Right. David's worst behavior came after he was king. And of course, we have a maxim, power corrupts, absolute power corrupts, absolutely, etc. And we're going to see some examples of things going to people's head. And I think that happened to David. But we're going to see a big difference between David and some other kings. Sure. Okay. All right. Well, I think we've got a slideshow here prepared. So here we have uh, David Rex, King David here. So what's right. going on? So King David just started advancing us through here. Um, here we have in First Samuel, uh, speaking of Saul, your kingdom will not continue. The Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. And click. And we see that repeated also in Acts, in Paul's mm -hmm. sermon. Uh, where he says, you know, a king after God's own heart. So what I want to point out is that there's two kinds of people in the world. Those that have done wrong and need correction and won't listen or won't correct. And the other kind of people is those that have done wrong and need correction. And they will listen and they will correct. Well, what about the people, Scott, who never do anything wrong? That would be Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> So, so, so we fall into one of these categories. We're the wrongdoers. Are we going to uh, listen or not listen? Is that, yeah. is that the idea? Yeah. All have sinned and fallen short. Uh, and we all need correction and scriptures for correction. The big difference is what we do when we're wrong. Do we correct or not? So let's okay. keep that in mind. All right. Next slide. Three other kings corrected in addition to King Saul. But let's take a minute to talk about King Saul. So why don't you describe for us, Justin, how King Saul reacted when Samuel came and corrected it in, in 1 Samuel 15. Yeah, so, and of course, this isn't even the first time he's corrected, right? Uh, he's right, right, cor right. corrected earlier. And um, I think it's chapter 13, where he just seems to almost blow it off. Uh, but in chapter 15, uh, Samuel tells uh, Saul that he's supposed to go and destroy the Amalekites, who are a wicked people who have opposed the Israelites for generations now. And Saul kind of goes to do it. Um, but Samuel hears from God 
Uh, I regret that I've even made Saul as king because he has not obeyed me. He's not fulfilled my instruction all the way. And you can kind of see Saul's motivation in this. He sets up a monument to himself uh, after the battle. Uh, he saves King Agag uh, kind of as a, um, a trophy and then also preserves a lot of the cattle uh, supposedly in order to offer sacrifice to God. Uh, but it's really not going to be an honor to God. It'll, it'll kind of be an honor to Saul. Look at what great thing I've done in capturing these sacrifices. Aren't I uh, a, a great Hebrew servant of God kind of thing? So when, when Samuel approaches Saul about this, uh, he does several things. He first says, well, I really did obey. Yeah. <laughs> and Samuel's like, mm, I'm hearing lots of mooing and buying going on. So no, you didn't obey. Um, and then he says, well, the people wanted to do it. So he throws it off on somebody else. Yeah, not my fault. And Samuel's like, aren't you king? You know, aren't you kind of in charge here? And so finally, I think uh, Saul says, you know, please, uh, please forgive me and return with me that I might be honored in the sight of the people. Yes. And so even, even when he admits wrong, he wants to kind of quickly get past it. So he can get back to the idea of, aren't I the great king and the victor of this battle? Uh, and so, you know, okay, let's not make a big deal about how bad I did. Let's just, you know, a little glitch and move on, and we can all pretend like I'm a great somebody again. Um, so lots of lots of things. Here's the prophet of God. Why haven't you obeyed? And he argues that I did, and right. it, three times, if I remember correctly, he denies. No, I obeyed. I obeyed. Three times, then finally, <laughs> you know, rebellion is as bad as witchcraft, and you're rejected from being king again. And then he, okay, he finally stops arguing, but then he asks, but go with me so that I'll have honor in front of the people. You know, go with me to do the things so I'll have honor. So deny, 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 and then finally, but I got to say, face, I got to look good. Right, right. That right. sounds very familiar. We we do that all the time, where uh, we're almost mm, embarrassed that we did wrong, and and we're more concerned about being embarrassed than we are that we actually did wrong. Yes, right. And this is where David is going to come out so far ahead of some of these other kings that we're going to see. So let's go to the next slide. All right. All right, let's. Uh, we're going to be looking. Uh, let's skip through this one. Uh, Amaziah should also have a darkened thing at the end of his because he didn't do well at the end. Let's keep going. Let's skip that chart. Um, all right, we're going to see commended general direction. This is a good king. Then we're going to see error, and he, a prophet will correct him or someone. And then we're going to see the king's reaction to the corrections. Mm. Let's watch that pattern. All right, next slide. Asa. Uh, I'll read the general good things about Asa, and then you'll take the next call. Asa, 2 Chronicles 14, this was a descendant of David, and Asa did good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. He took away the foreign altars in the high places, broke down the pillars, cut down the ashram, commanded Judah to seek the, God, the Lord, the God of the fathers, and to keep the law and the commandment. He also took out all the cities of Judah, the high places, and the incense altar, and the kingdom had rest under him. So overall, I'd say 
Really good. Really, really good. All right. Second column. Uh, chapter 16 here of Second Chronicles, verse 1. In the 36th year of the reign of Asa, Basha, king of Israel, went up against Judah and built Ramah, that he might permit no one to go out or come in to Asa, king of Judah. Then Asa took silver and gold from the treasures of the house of the Lord and the king's house and sent them to Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, who lived in Damascus, saying, There's a covenant between me and you, as there was between my father and your father. Behold, I'm sending to you silver and gold. Go break your covenant with Basha, king of Israel, that he may withdraw from me. And then in verse 7, at that time, Hanani the seer came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, Because you relied on the king of Syria and did not rely on the Lord your God, the army of the king of Syria has escaped you. Were not the Ethiopians and the Libyans a huge army with very many chariots and horsemen? Because you relied on the Lord, he gave them into your hand. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless toward him. You've done foolishly in this. For from now on, you will have wars. All right, let's pause and think. We have a good man. He seems to want to do right. He wants to stop the evil. He no doubt views himself as fulfilling an important role in doing good. Yeah. So think how we can do this as Christians, as preachers and elders. And have we ever seen either in ourselves or in some other kind of Christian that's kind of in a leading position. They go along and they're kind of like this, and then they blow it. And when someone points it out, there's no humility, there's no admission, there's opposition and anger. Next yeah. slide. And Ace, I can read this one here. I'll get it. Then Asa was angry with the seer, put him in stocks in prison, for he was in a rage with him because of this. And Asa inflicted cruelties on some of the people at the same time. The acts of Asa from the first to last were written in the book of Kings of Judah and Israel. And then finally, in the 39th year of his reign, he's diseased in his feet. His disease became severe. Even in his disease, he did not seek the Lord. And verse 13, he's dead. Hmm. So really interesting pattern. Good man standing for a lot of things that are right, opposing a lot of things that are wrong until it's him that's wrong. Yeah, it's and it's interesting too when he when he gets in a rage because he was corrected by the seer, um, he goes to to punish the seer, Han and I, but also to punish other people, you know, blameless, innocent bystanders. And I think about, you know, sometimes when I'm in a foul mood, uh, something didn't go the way I wanted it to, and you just get angry for no reason. Mm -hmm. Well, a lot of times there is a reason behind that. Yep. Uh, it's, it's that I'm pricked in my heart and I'm not handling it the right way. And so Asa, I think, I think of maybe dads who come home from work and something didn't go quite right at the office or on the job site, and uh, they're in a bad mood, and who suffers because of it? Mom and the kids. Um, so kind of similar here with Asa. And if mom or the kids point out what he's doing wrong, and then he gets angry, grounds the kid or something, you know, just 
but we yeah. didn't do anything wrong. All right, next keynote. We'll do it the same way. I'll do the introduction. You'll show where they have to be corrected, and then we'll go to the third one. Joash. Now, Joash, let's remember, he's the one when Athelai is killing the, her grandkids so that she can reign. And okay. uh, somebody saved one of the baby boys. It was just an infant, and he was protected. And Jehoiada, the priest, knows about this and helps him out and helps protect him. And then when he's seven years old, Jehoiada comes out and said, the people say, long live the queen. Athaliah says treason, but, you know, she's put to death. And now Jehoiada is king. Right. And he's a really, really good king as long as Jehoiada is there. Joash was seven years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 40 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Zibiah of Beersheba, and Joash did what was right in the Lord all the days of Jehoiada the priest. Joash decided to restore the house of the Lord. He gathered the priests and the Levites and said, Go out to the cities of Judah and gather from all Israel money to repair the house of your God from year to year and see that you act quickly. Wow, really good king. So far, so good. So this is chapter 24, verse 17. After the death of Jehoiada, the princes of Judah came and paid homage to the king. The king listened to them, and they abandoned the house of the Lord, the God of their fathers, and served the Asherim and the idols. And wrath came upon Judah and Jerusalem for this guilt of theirs. Yet he sent prophets among them to bring them back to the Lord. These testified against them. They would not pay attention. And the Spirit of God clothed Zechariah, the son of Jehoiada, the priest, and he stood above the people and said to them, Thus says God, why do you break the commandments of the Lord so that you cannot prosper? Because you have forsaken the Lord, he has forsaken you. All right. So he's been a really good king, and now he's done something really evil. And in the Spirit of God, Zechariah, son of Jehoiada, corrects him. Yeah. Let's see how Joash responds to correction. They conspired against him, and by the command of the king, they stoned him with stones in the court of the house of the Lord. Thus Joash the king did not remember the kindness that Jehoiada Zechariah's father had shown to him, but killed his son. And when he was dying, he said, May the Lord see and avenge. Vengeance belongs to the Lord. Up to a point, really good king. Yeah. For great things, doing good. Then starts listening to people he shouldn't listen to, starts going astray. Somebody corrects him, and we see this same reaction. And, and you know, uh, it's interesting the personal connection is happening this time. I don't know what the personal connection was between Asa and Hanani. But I can think of times where a stranger goes to correct me and I might want to get defensive. Um, but if I'm wise, I'll listen. But when someone who I know personally and, and, and love and respect me, have a good relationship, when they go to correct me, uh, that's that's a different sort of thing. And you have to kind of have to remember, okay, this person loves me. This person cares about me. We've had uh, we've, we've gone through a lot together. Here's this one thing. Now the relationship becomes something powerful, and I, I have to trust them that they're they're meaning good uh, for me here. 
and Joash just kind of throws all that away. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and the pattern we're seeing is, I'm king. You don't correct yeah. me like that. Yeah. All right, let's go to the next one. Isaiah. Isaiah, Second Chronicles 26. All the people of Judah took Isaiah, who was 16 years old, made him king instead of his father Amaziah. He built Eloth and restored it to Judah after the king slept with his fathers. Isaiah was 16 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jechaliah of Jerusalem. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah had done. He set himself to seek God in the days of Zechariah, who instructed him in the fear of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. Um, oh, he also, uh, here, Second Chronicles, in Jerusalem he made machines invented by skillful men to be on the towers and corners and shoot arrows, break stones. His fame spread far and wide. He was marvelously helped till he was strong. Uh, he was... He said he loved the soil. He had vineyards and, and trees planted and uh, these catapult towers. And he, he broadened. He, he doing a great job as king. Now let's proceed. This is chapter 36, uh, verse 6, or 26, I'm sorry, 26, verse 16. But when he was strong, he grew proud to his destruction. Let's stop and just notice that. Yeah. These are all... And, you know, a lot of us, if we think about it, sometimes when we're doing good things and accomplishing good things and being respected for good things, we can get puffed up and we can start thinking we're, we're, we're giving too much credit to ourselves. And king is a pretty powerful position and everybody around you because they want the favors that a king can give and not the disclaimers that he can give. There's a lot of flattery. There's a lot of, you know, exaggeration of how great you are. And if you're stupid, you can listen to it. And over and over, I think that's what we see in these kings. Yeah. He was strong and he grew proud to his destruction. Go ahead. For he was unfaithful to the Lord his God and entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. But Azariah the priest went in after him with 80 priests of the Lord who were men of valor. And they withstood King Uzziah and said to him, It is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests, the sons of Aaron, who are consecrated to burn incense. Go out of the sanctuary, for you have done wrong, and it will bring you no honor from the Lord. All right. The reaction. We know what the action should have been. Oh, you're right. This was presumptuous of me. I'm sorry, Billy. No. Isaiah was angry. We're seeing a pattern here. He had in his censer to burn incense, and when he became angry with the priests, leprosy broke out on his forehead in the presence of the priest in the house of the Lord by the altar of incense. No, that's kind of interesting. The leprosy didn't break out when he went in where he wasn't supposed to be. He's already done wrong. The leprosy breaks out when he sinned and the priests correct him and he gets angry about it. That's when the leprosy breaks out. 
Verse 20, Azariah, the chief priest, and all the priests looked at him. Behold, he was leprous in the forehead. They rushed him out quickly, and he himself hurried to go out because the Lord had struck him. And King Uzziah was a leper to the day of his death. And being a leper, he lived in a separate house for he was excluded from the house of the Lord. And Jotham, his son, was king over the king's household, governing the people of the land. Here's something interesting. Jotham is one of the really good kings. We don't see something like this out of Jotham. And you, it's unusual to have two good kings in a row. Uzziah had been a really good king up till this point. And his son will be a really good king, which is not the way it went with Hezekiah's son, not the way it went with Josiah's son. Uh, I think it may be in part because Jotham saw you know, he, he'd seen the good out of his father, and then he saw what happened when his father got proud. Yeah, I think in uh, 27, 2, it says he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, according to all that his father Isaiah done, except he did not enter the temple of the Lord. I mean, he, he watched his father's foolishness and said, yeah, I think I'm not going to do that. Yeah, yeah. And he would have known how great and respected his father was and then saw what happened to him and knew that it was because of his pride, obviously. And that perhaps is one of the reasons that Jotham ends up being a good king. Yeah. All right. So Asa. So uh, uh, Joash, Uzziah. They're much better kings than Saul ever was. But how do they react when they're corrected and every one of them these last three doesn't listen they get angry now let's take a look at david yeah because you know Isaiah, his great sin burning incense to the lord and you know getting angry joash he kills a guy um but i mean you, you compare these things with what david did and he commits adultery uh, he kills somebody. He tries to cover it up. I mean, his sin, measurably, according to our standards, is markedly yeah. worse. Yeah. Um, and compared to what Saul did, you know, he didn't kill somebody. You know, <laughs> Saul didn't yeah. kill somebody that God told him to kill. David killed somebody that God hadn't told him to kill. And just uh, we would say David's the worst sinner, but but he's still a man after God's own heart. So that there's something going on here. Yeah. And um, pardon the fonts being messed up here. But we're going to look quickly at David being corrected by Nathan and Abigail and even Joab. Hmm. Watch. All right. Next slide. So we have uh, David. Now, we all know, you know, general reputation. Great. In fact, a lot of other kings are compared to David. He didn't walk like his father David did. Or he did walk like his father David did. He's kind of the benchmark later of a good king. Hmm. But we... Um, we know about his sin with Uriah. And let's remember um, how Nathan got his attention. Nathan came to him and he told him a little uh, anecdote. Tell, tell what Nate, how Nathan gets David's attention. Yeah, it's almost like a parable, except I don't know that Nathan uh, or that David even realizes it's a parable. Right. Uh, it's about these these two men. One's a wealthy man who has a lot of sheep, and one's kind of a poor neighbor 
who has this little ewe lamb that he treats almost like a daughter. Uh, she comes in and you know, eats from his table, sleeps in his arms. Um, but then when the rich man has a visitor, instead of slaughtering one of his own lambs to provide a, a meal for his visitor, he takes the ewe lamb from his poor neighbor, slaughters it, and feeds his neighbor. And uh, and Nathan doesn't even seem to get to the finish of his story before David explodes wrathfully. Uh, he was this, uh, David was the shepherd before, and so you can kind of see his heart in this. Uh, that man deserves to die. Um, and he goes through what he deserves. He deserves death. Legally, I can only make him give, you know, four uh, sheep in exchange for the one he took. Uh, and, and Nathan says, you're the man. Uh, you can just imagine David, David really feeling it at this point. Because I imagine David's conscience has probably been eating at him for the last few months uh, while he's been living a lie all this time. And so we have that approach by Nathan there in 2 Samuel 12. And if David had been Asa right, or Isaiah, Nathan's a dead man. It's like, yeah, if, if David was like these other guys, what we would expect next is, and David became angry. But instead, quick, David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Probably one of the best confessions in all the Bible is just that there's nothing on it to kind of take away from the weight of this and it's properly directed against God. Yeah. Uh, he realizes I didn't just sin against Bathsheba or against Uriah or against Joab or against the people of Israel. I sinned against the Lord and he just kind of waits to hear how this is going to end. He, he's not Saul saying, Oh no, no, no. I didn't. Oh no, no. Oh, oh that was them. Oh no. It's I have sinned against the Lord. It's not, angry i'm going to put you in stocks i'm going to have you stoned to death it's i have sinned against the lord and then he writes psalm 51 my sin is ever before me creating me a clean heart uh, he says at the end i'll offer sacrifices but he says i know what you really want is not the sacrifices you want a broken and a contrite heart cleanse me from blood guiltiness you know uh it's he just he feels very very low and he yeah. should and he does and he he even says there in psalm 51 verse 13 that he wants to teach other sinners yeah. how to repent so the idea that he's going to quickly try to cover up his embarrassment you know fix the problem so he can move on like nothing had ever happened uh david remembers and he wants to use this powerfully to help other people turn back to god so yeah this is this is very very different what we've seen and that's what in this webcast today, that's what we all need to be focusing on and learning from. Look how to repent. And mm. don't get angry, don't deny it, admit it, and repent. All right, next, or next slide. Okay, Nabal. <laughs> it's <laughs> I remember the story of Nabal. So David's been out here with his men. He's on the run from Saul. Uh, normally, if you've got an army, you know, on the move, they're going to take whatever they need. If you think of the Civil War history, you know, Shenandoah Valley was, <laughs> those farmers were just losing a lot. And 
David's men aren't doing that. In fact, they've been kind of a shield and protection for Nabal's men. And it comes to a certain time. He says, hey, could we could we share some things? Nabal is, of course, very rude and arrogant. And the men go to Abigail. They warn her. And, and so as here, um, Abigail goes to meet David. Let not my Lord regard this worthless fellow Nabal, for as his name is, so is he. Foolish. Nabal is his name. Ali is with him. But I, your servant, didn't see the young men of the Lord when you sinned. Now then, because when the rudeness came from Nabal, what had David done? Yeah, he, he tells his men, all right, saddle up, strap on your swords, let's go. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to kill everybody in Nabal's house. Every male. Every, every male in Nabal's house is going to be dead by tonight. Which is, is so uh, interesting because that's in chapter 25. In chapter, I think it's chapter 24, and then later in 26, this this whole story is sandwiched by Saul chasing down David, going to kill him. And Saul could have killed Saul. Uh, first, it was the uh, uh, Saul taking a bathroom break in the cave. Yep. And then it was Saul asleep in yep. the camp. Uh, and he, David takes his spear and his pitcher by night to prove that he could have killed Saul. And in both occasions, Saul just says, no, I'm not going to kill him because David. he's the Lord's anointed. Yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. David, David says, yeah. Um, and so here he gets, you just kind of see David building up. Like I have been so patient, I've been so <laughs> merciful. I deserve to kill somebody. <laughs> so and this is not so anointed. This right, is right, right, right. So she comes and she says, uh, I, "I wasn't there. I didn't see the young men." Now. Uh, then my Lord, as the Lord lives, as your soul lives, because the Lord has restrained you from blood guilt and saving with your own hand. Now then let your enemies and those who seek to do you evil be as Nabal. And now let this present that your servant has brought to my Lord to be given to the young men who follow my Lord. And, and she, she said, you know, put the blame on me. She's apologized. She said, I didn't know he'd done this, but he is a foolish man, but please accept this. And she says, and when the Lord has done to my Lord, according to all the good that he has spoken concerning you and has appointed you prince over Israel, my Lord shall have no cause or grief or pains of conscience for having shed blood without cause or for my Lord working salvation himself. Mm. She does a really good job here. I, she, on when I'm on the Beatitudes, blessed are the peacemakers, she's a great example of a peacemaker. Absolutely. They, Nathan was too. Now he's very direct. You're the man. But first he was, he put it over here where David could see the sin without making excuses. And then he said, it's you, but he wasn't killed. He wasn't enraged at. And let's look at, let's look at David's reaction to being corrected by a woman. Yeah. He said to Abigail, blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who sent you this day to meet me. Blessed be your discretion. Blessed be you who have kept me this day from blood guilt and from working salvation with my own hand. The Lord has restrained me from hurting you. And he said to her, go up in peace to your house. See, I've obeyed your voice and I've granted your petition. Uh -huh. So the king says to a woman, I will obey you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Humility. Uh, the, are you yeah. who kept me? from from sinning today wow wow all right next one we'll do one more 
and this is going to be at the death of Absalom. Of course, Absalom is oh, just horrible. And he's insulted his father every way he can. He's undermined him. He's wanting to kill him. And David sends his men out, but he says, but don't, don't kill him. And Joab, you know, <laughs> kills him. And the king was deeply moved and went up to the chamber over the gate and wept. And as he went, he said, oh, my son, Absalom, my son, my son, Absalom, would I have died instead of you? Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. It was told Joab, behold, the king is weeping and mourning for Absalom. So the victory that day was turned into mourning for all the people. For all the people heard that day, the king is grieving his son. And the people stole into the city that day as people steal in who are ashamed when they flee in battle. The king covered his face. The king cried with a loud voice, oh, my son, Absalom, oh, Absalom, my son, my son. Then Joab came into the king and said, you have today covered the shame of the faces of all your servants who have this day saved your life and the lives of your sons and daughters and the lives of your wives and your concubines because you love those who hate you and hate those who love you. For you have made it clear today that commanders and servants are nothing to you. For today I know that if Absalom were alive and all of us were dead today, then you would be pleased. Okay. Now therefore, arise, go out and speak kindly to your servants. If you do not go, not a man will stay with you this night. And this will be worse for you than all the evil that has come upon you from your youth until now. Now, we've seen him corrected by Nathan, who is a good prophet. We've seen him corrected by Abigail, a wonderful woman, but she, she's, a, she's a woman. And now he's corrected by his subordinate, Joab, who is not a good guy. No, um, Joab, Joab's kind of a scoundrel uh, in many ways. And he, he's on the right side for the most part. He's a mobster. <laughs> you know, yeah. But look, verse 8, the king arose. This, so this is the next verse. The king arose, took his seat in the gate, and the people were told, behold, the king is sitting at the gate, and the people came before the king. So next slide. Let's just kind of sum up here. Remember, there's two kinds of people. There's people that have done wrong and need correction, but when it comes, they won't listen and they won't correct. Because like Saul, they either deny it, or like Asa and, and uh, Joash and Isaiah, they get angry. But there's another kind of person. They have done wrong and they need correction, but they listen and they correct and uh, maybe that helps us understand the final slide oh yeah oh i did want to say this you don't fully know a person until you know how they respond from their role i learned this years ago i was doing a class on for men preparing to be elders and there was one young man uh, baptized him sometime before, baptized his wife and um, at least one of his kids. And he he looked like he had a lot of potential. He'd done some teaching. I, I, and I asked him to be in the class uh, because I just saw real potential in him. He was so young, but, you know, I wanted him to be prepared. I'd seen him handle some things well but I hadn't seen how he acted when he and his family had failed. And later I did, and it was pretty disappointing. 
so if you're Jesus, well, you're if you're blameless, we don't need to know how you would act if you've done something wrong. You haven't. Right. But if you're the rest of us, we're all wrong sometimes. We all need correction sometimes. And sometimes the people that we think, oh, that guy would be a really good elder. Now, so let's suppose there's a man and he's being considered for the eldership and he, he meets these other qualifications. Somebody says, well, remember six years ago when you, this situation come up and you remember how poorly he handled that? And you say, yeah, I do. And I remember him admitting that he'd handled it badly and apologizing. And he, he learned a lesson from that. That's not the man you say he should he, he he shouldn't be qualified to be an elder. You you realize, yeah, he's usually right, but when he was wrong, whether it was pointed out by this person or that person or even that person, he realized it and he took it to heart. Whereas the person that's never wrong. Yeah, those are the those are the kinds of people who I think they keep God in view. They remember that, you know, I'm not the standard of righteousness. I'm not the standard of perfection. And there's someone else here who is, but for the people who are never wrong, it's like they want to be God. Um, we, we really don't want to be proven to be with fault because we'd kind of hoped we were past all that and we're not. Um, the truly humble, no matter how old they get or how experienced they get or how powerful they get, they never see themselves seated in the place of God. Uh, so, yeah. go ahead. Well, just David does that remarkably well. I mean, he, he's always looking to God as king. You know, look at the Psalms and the way he refers to God. I mean, David is just he's he's a he's a prince. He's a stand-in. God's the real ruler of Israel, and David never seems to forget that. And the well, on occasion, he's with Bathsheba and Uriah. Here's the thing all of these people we looked at were kings. That is an awful lot of power. It would mess up a lot. You remember the verse in Proverbs give me neither poverty that I'm tempted to steal, nor great riches, lest I forget you. Yeah. God warned so about having kings, and a lot of these kings fall to that problem that we saw in the one. When he grew strong, he grew proud to his own right. destruction. And I don't know that David would have ever done the thing with Uriah, uh, Bathsheba and Uriah if he had not become king. Right. Yeah, that's true. But when rebuked, he confessed it. I have sinned against the Lord. He writes Psalm 51. So I've... I, I, when I look at David in comparison to these other kings, I really appreciate the difference, the, the horrendousness of what he did. It's one of the ugliest things ever recorded in the Bible. Right. But look at how these other men of power reacted. Look how David reacted. And so maybe that helps us. I think this last slide starts us where we began, where, um, oh, this is just from Proverbs. Let the wise hear and increase in their learning. But fools despise wisdom and correction. Don't reprove a scoffer, he'll hate you. Reprove a wise man, he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man, he'll be wiser still. Teach a righteous man, and he'll increase in learning. Next slide. 
you know, we talked about that, King David, and then finally we have again these verses that yeah. man after God's own heart. And maybe the thing we focus on today is part of that. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I think you're right. That that gives us something to strive for, and it's not faultlessness. I think we all want to learn how not to sin, but but maybe more importantly is, is how to learn how to respond when we do sin. First uh, John one comes to mind that that if we say we have no sin, we're a liar. <laughs> uh, and so we need to be honest and confess. And God is faithful and just to forgive. So you know, this has been been really really helpful. And then First John two, I write these things so that you do not sin. Right. If you sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, righteous. Yeah. Talks about chapter one, confessing us. Thanks. Yeah. Well, thank you. And it's just, it's helpful to go through these examples uh, and, and you read through scriptures. And, and the Bible's full of uh, real world examples of, of real flesh and blood people who've been there before. So great discussion today. Uh, thanks for tuning in, everyone. If you found the study of God's word helpful, please share it with others. And again, if you have questions or comments or requests for future studies, you can visit us at BibleQuest.tv. Thanks for tuning in. God be with you. If he's willing, we'll see you next week. All right. Hey,